0: Welcome to The Roadshow. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about riding. In South Africa, it brings my people together, breaks the down barriers. Yeah, right?
1: My passion winning, to be the best. To be the best is something we strive for. Passion, Great. Passion. Fiction. Gold. Ultimate goal. Glory. Relentless training. Pain. 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 <laughs> <laughs>
0: So welcome everyone to the Roe Show. Uh, it's not Lawrence Burden and neither is Jake Green here with us today. First time we've uh, managed to leave them both off and obviously it's a very special episode being the Olympic hype train as we build up into um, the final regatta of this Olympic cycle. Um, we are very excited to welcome Martin Cross to the show today. Um, I'm James Thompson. You've heard from me once or twice before in the build up. But uh, Martin is a very special guest. He's, uh, many of the listeners would have heard his episode and the wealth of knowing uh, knowledge. Um, I think, just to start, Martin, what Olympic number is this for you between an athlete and a
1: journalist? Oh, that's a great question. And I I hadn't counted. So I did, I did four as an athlete and I did um, Atlanta, Athens, Beijing, London, and not Rio, and now... Um, Tokyo, so
0: that's ninth. Ninth, well, wow. so yeah. I have a goal as a now more spectator um, for, for my athlete days. I don't want to miss an Olympics in my lifetime. Tokyo yeah. has put a, a pretty hard stop to that to add out the blocks so of my first one as a spectator. But we will aim to be at all of them. So um, I'm sure you regret not being in Rio, um, but yeah. it was that was a special one? But it's absolutely amazing. Um, so Lawrence and Jacob asked not to do any uh, recording during the games. Um, they obviously want to focus. They've got a big job, on, uh, job at hand, as I think yeah. anyone who's rode understands. And um, But what they have done is they've got Olympic diaries. And I recommend if you join up to the Patreon account, you can listen to those Olympic diaries. And it's an amazing journey. Um, they've been recording them since they left Lucerne. Um, after the qualification together, they've been doing a weekly um, or every week and a bit, every 10 days or so update. And that's worth listening to, I think, to just be in the heads of two athletes as they're slowly progressing through the journey. And they don't know where that journey ends yet. Um, And they talk about the COVID protocols in detail and training in the mountains and stuff. I don't know if you've heard any of those, Martin, but it really is um, something worth listening to. And I recommend all the listeners um, sign up to the Patreon and get those extra episodes. Um, Certainly, if you're ever going to sign up, now's the time to sign up. (laughs) It's worth signing up for. Yeah. Um, what isn't is quite cool is, Martin, you are in Tokyo. Um, so what is the protocol of you getting in? And what's you've obviously been now to, I think we said, eight games there. So what is what is it like in Tokyo? What's different to there? Every game is obviously a little bit unique and special. So what's the experience like so far, first few days in?
1: Oh, it, it just I think the stress of getting there because um, – I flew in from the UK. The the COVID protocols from the UK uh, are kind of insane. You've got to have three tests on the three days before you travel. Um, all the paperwork's got to be absolutely right. You've got to have this uh, OCHA app where you enter all your details. Um, and on, on the journey here, I saw there's a guy got thrown off a plane. He was, you know, just... <laughs> He'd flown from London to Helsinki, he was waiting for the, the Tokyo plane, but they said, you know, his, um, his uh, test certificate didn't have the fact he was British on. He had a British passport and, you know, he had his name on the test, but they said, no, we're not going to let you on. So it on wasn't even that he had
0: a positive or anything, he just didn't have the perfect tick on it? A-
1: Piece of paper. He didn't have the perfect tick, so, so the ground staff wouldn't let him on the plane, and, and, but it was just the stress. I can't tell you, you know, what it was like just because you, we, we had so much information to process, and, uh, um, and, and then, you know, the arrival in, to- in Tokyo was the whole thing with uh, the COVID tests, and, you know, having to wait for the results, and, you know, were you clear or were you not clear? And, um, and then, you know, at the moment I'm in this hotel quarantine for three days, uh, with members of the Olympic broadcast service, a lot of commentators and and broadcast officials. So I'm in my second day of quarantine. It's, it's really hot. I've done stair runs today (laughs) uh, just uh, because you're not allowed out. You can't run or anything. And the room is, is so tiny. I mean, it's the smallest room I've ever slept in. It's, it's
0: probably pretty big by Japanese standards.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I don't see a lot of a buzz around. Like I remember at, at games I've been to, like everything was decorated with games, and I've seen a few Tokyo 2020 banners. I guess it'll be different at the venues, but you could easily be in the middle of Tokyo and, and miss the banners and not know it was an Olympic city.
0: That's, that's very interesting because I, I, I often feel that it like, it's almost sounds like a more like a World Champs venue. If I think about so what jumps off the page there is I remember obviously London was very like that. Rio was a carnival from the day, the, the moment the wheels touched the ground. Um, but I also remember you would have been in Amsterdam, I suspect. In Amsterdam, the whole city was painted out, like everywhere you drove, which was very unusual. So I'd be interested yeah. to know, like, is it more subdued than the rowing presence in Amsterdam, which was just a World Champs at the end of the day?
1: Yeah, I think it is. It it it, it feels subdued. Um, I think when you get around the venues, then you've got signage. You know, so I was in at the International Broadcasting Centre for a for another COVID test yesterday. There are bags, of, plenty of signage there around there in the main press centre. Um, I haven't visited the venue yet, um, but people who had been out to the venue from the um, from. Olympic Broadcasting Service were were saying it was fantastic. They they were comparing it to other venues they'd visited and said it, it was great. But, you know, that's from a press point of view, not necessarily a rowing point if of you,
0: view. Yeah, I think the Rose are starting to get access to that venue, I think, from tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I know the South African rowing team's travelling across there today. Um, so they'll be it'll be interesting to start getting the feedback on what the water is like. Um, it's salt water, if I'm not mistaken, um, Yeah, salt water. And, and if there's any sort of water movement and, you know, the courses around the world, the athletes really do give good feedback of the differences. You know, I remember, um, the heat is, this is going to be something interesting to watch. Um, I'm really interested to see, um, one of my questions is Is the heat. You know, how, how much will the physical heat be, um, the temperature of the heat, obviously not the first round. Um, what Will that will that have a factor? And are some teams coming in late? Um, and how late can they come in? Um, and I always think the earlier you get to the heat, the better. And I remember Korea was unbelievably yeah, yeah. hot. Um, and that water was difficult to row on because it had that solid bank on the side. Um, so... Do you know of any teams coming in late, and do you think it'll be a factor um, in in the, the regatta and the results?
1: Well, I think you know, I the, the British team. I thought you know that they're already in Japan, but I thought they left it quite late. You know, they didn't. They did their pre-training camps, you know, elsewhere. Came back to their training centre at Cavisham and and then they came out um i don 't know three or four days ago, but I kind of thought well that 's leaving it really late because you know the the information I got from the the when they had the junior championships here was that you know those youngsters really suffered with the heat, and you know they were having to cut out in short and all it was the humidity really that was that 's the problem um and um and and so, like you, the earlier you get in, the better. But I don't know of any teams that are, that are coming late in, but I'm thinking I would have liked to have been out here for as long as possible yeah. just to acclimatise this heat. I saw Oli Zidler's dad had done something in his bathroom. <laughs> to pump up the heat. Yeah, to pump up the heat. He had like a bicycle in his bathroom. Um, and so um, I, don't, I don't know if Ollie's coming in late.
0: I, I, I do but know our, our team before Beijing did something similar to that. They had like a heated ergo room where they were pumping the heat as high as they could in an ergo room, and they were doing a session a day in that room. But I don't think it's quite the same as being exposed to it 24 hours a day and between training, in training, and all of that. So I agree with you. I, I think anyone coming in late is mad. And, of course, there's the COVID risk. Um, I guess if you get it, even within the last two weeks, it's over. Um, but, yeah, it's very, very interesting. The heat The heat for me is... I, as an athlete, I never dealt wonderfully well with heat, so I'm very aware of it. Um, Korea was – I actually got ill in Korea in that heat, and that was oh. the – um, I got ill before the heat, um, and it knocked it knocked me for a six. Um, just a stomach bug from the heat, I believe. Um, yeah, so I'm aware of it. I know that it can change the game very quickly, so it'll be interesting to watch that pan out to the games. Um, I want to go back quickly into COVID if we can. Obviously, we've mentioned your journey in um there have been some positive tests in the village already um it's definitely going to be a topic of the games and guys getting knocked out um we all know COVID's with us now um I've heard some cool stories about the Australian women's team um they had to um they were scheduled to to travel in like two days time and then suddenly their their town became a hotspot. And they had to get out of get out of town as fast as they could and pack their bags and they left for the games a day or two earlier than they'd expect or they left for the pre the pre camp but they just had to get out yeah, of yeah. town I know Australia's got some pretty strict lockdowns um, but they live like quite a normal life there as well um, so in a day to day they're not masks everywhere if you don't have COVID in your city, you carry on as normal um, and I was wondering you would be interesting maybe to ask you this in a few days' time, but everyone's coming from different places around the world and there are different expectations of what COVID restrictions mean. And it'll be very interesting to see how those all now arrive en masse, not just a small World Cup or something like that. Um, yeah. All these different expectations of like, yes, I have to wear a mask, but do I have to? Um, so it'd be interesting to know how that pans out well, over the games.
1: Everyone in on the streets in Tokyo are, is wearing a mask. So I think that must be the state of emergency. So um, the, the, the thing is, I, I, I can't see how crews aren't gonna be knocked out of this regatta through, through COVID. Um, because, you know, in the Olympic Village, like most dining areas have plastic screens on them out here. So, you know, you, you've got an individual space and you've got plastic screens, but you obviously got to take your mask off to eat. And, and I can't see how the Olympic Village is going to be clear of, of, of COVID.
0: I did see, a, um, I think they've already had a positive test in there. It obviously must have been imported, um, not transmitted in the village. Yeah. But I think there's the first test is, the first test in the village has been, the first positive test has, has been had. And I think it's impossible to expect that there won't be any.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, I, and I know that athletes, you know, I've heard from athletes that the thing they're most worried about is not the performance; it's it's what might happen if one of their crew gets tested positive, so then they're, still, they're if, out.
0: If if we get on the start line, if we get on the start line, if yeah,
1: we get and I think that's that's different for this games to any other, um, and it's not just if we get on the start line; it, it sort of runs through the regatta. Yes you know, because because you're tested regularly. Yeah. So, I, you know, I believe I think, it's something
0: like a test a day for the guys before they're leaving. It's like, the guys are saying like 10 tests in 14 days is where they were going to end up by the end of all of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Wrong. So it, it, I think it adds to the psychology. And, you know, again, it's in the sense of control, the controllables, all you can do is wash your hands, keep yourselves to yourself, not talk to any other, you know, not... I think the contact between teams will be far is far less or has been far less during the season. Yeah. You know, I, I know the rowers haven't been talking as, as freely as they do because they've just got to keep themselves to themselves.
0: Yeah, and I think rowing is an interesting sport because it's not hugely hugely professional. It's not like F one or something like that. Um, yeah, it's probably quite insular in your teams. It's, it's much harder to do in our environment. Um, it's really interesting to uh, when I was hearing the guys. Um, in those Olympic days talking about like hotel rooms where they, they weren't able to leave the hotel to get a coffee. You know, um, I think it starts putting in perspective, like you're literally at your hotel and at the venue and you're in the most beautiful place in the world. I know speaking to um, some of the South African team, they haven't been able to do anything outside of go from the hotel to the course where they are. And they're in the most beautiful place in the world. Uh, If you follow the Rochos shows and Lawrence and Jake's personal Instagram, it's absolutely amazing where they've been for this final training camp in um in japan but it's just amazing to see it and uh it's just it's crazy that they never got to even walk one kilometer from the hotel just to see another piece of it they literally had the from the hotel to the water for the last i think it was most of 10 days so for me that's been amazing um or crazy to see so yeah, I think, should we move on to the program? Uh, we've got some changes in the Olympic program. Um, obviously, disappointed from my perspective to lose the Lighty fall. Uh This is the yeah. first, first time without that. Um, I do know the Lightweight Men's Double is, is... I believe you probably know more of this than I mean, me. It's got a lifeline for another four years. Um, it's great. Right.
1: Yeah, it has got a lifeline to Paris, yeah. at least.
0: So, yeah, and I, I do believe that... Um, that will be the the end of it that'll be um that'll be the uh, end of the lightweight we're drawing most likely but it's great that they do have another round but i thought this was going to be the last round and yeah um, yeah what can we do you know um so the women's fours is, is back in um first time since 1992 what's what do you think is going to happen in that boat class? Um, it's, I think it's a fantastic addition to the sport, and I'm glad. The, I'm glad we've got it.
1: Yeah, it is. It is a fantastic addition to the sport, and um, I think uh, th- I think the women's four is is interesting, not just because it's the first one since I think the the Canadians won it in in Barcelona, and they doubled up. Four of them doubled up in the eight. It was the four was stroke by the late great uh, Kathleen Heddle, who sadly. Okay. Uh, passed away I think earlier this year um so it'd be memories of her in the Olympics but I think you know this women's four is going to be fascinating because you've got the Australian women's pair going for the double up in the four and I've not seen a crew do that double up yes previously So f- I'm, you know I'm thinking normally it's the women's pair and the women's eight um but it was kind of explained to me, you know, um, the guys can train together in the pairs when they're not in the four. Um, and it's an easier transition to go from pair into four than it is, is to go from pair um, into eight.
0: Yeah, I wonder when you start having the four doubling up into the eight. So you have your eight splitting into a pair, like your if you take your pair and your four and you throw in the, the, the last two to make the eight, you know, I think that would be a really positive move. Um, overall, so, so six of your eight athletes double up instead of two of
1: your eight, um, as we previously yeah, yeah, saw. Yeah. Or now,
0: um, it's still only two of your four doubling up.
1: Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I think, I think that's going to be a, a fantastic showdown because they're the world champions and they've got, I think they've got two stronger oarswomen in that boat, the Australians, with um, Jess Morrison and, and Annabelle McIntyre. Um, with Rosemary Popper and Lucy Steffen. So um, they're going to be very, very difficult to beat. I think there's this Dutch crew um, that, you know, every time I look at them, they, they row fantastically well, really flat drive, uh, really loose and fluid. Um, they they won in the last World Cup in Zaboudia. They won in Lucerne. Um, and then... It, you know, there's this question mark about what the USA women are going to be like. I know we might get onto that later. Um, but it's, it's a new look for, it's coached by Laurel Corholtz. Um, it's, you know, just four powerhouses. Um, and I think that's the competition. I think for, for me with, uh, for the medals, maybe with the Irish getting in there, I think it's going to be really, you know, quite tight. Um, uh, and, and, you know, they'd be my four to look out for in that, in that event.
0: What's, what's interesting is the Australian, like we've obviously, there's some of these crews we haven't seen since 2019. So that's the, yeah. that's the most exciting part of this together for me. We'll never get an opportunity again to have that. Um, the only other example I have is I think Sydney, Australian men's parents, Sydney, they decided not to come to Europe that year. Um, and no one saw them for a year from qualifying, whereas this is double that length of time. And it's not just one coup, one standout favorite coup. It's the whole, it's most of the, the non-European field we haven't seen. Um, so the Australian's are really interesting. We've managed to um, see a bit of their performance. we gather results. And that women's fall and that women's system is looking amazingly strong. Um, of course, yeah. you're comparing it against their men, so you don't know how they are going. That's the standard. That's the standard problem with performance regattas: is not everyone's there, and you you're judging against yourselves. But that women's Australian I uh, when I look at those results coming out of there, um, the little bit of snippet that we've got, um, it's hard for me that Australian women's forwards, the uh, the crew, to beat. They still, even though we haven't seen them for two years. So yeah. we have no idea where that really is. And, um, yeah, the U.S. women's system will, um, I, I certainly back them to do some, to, to be like the women's squad of the, t- of the, of the regatta for sure. So that's, that's probably the event I'm looking forward to the most. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, the women's four, and that's coming from me, who's obviously the lightweight four has been pulled out for that. But I just think it's amazing that we've had an event. I've never disagreed that the lightweight four should be in the, um, the sorry, the women's four should be in the games. I just don't think it should have been at the expense of the lightweight four. Of the lightweight um, four. Because yeah, I believe, yeah, yeah. if we look at the women's sweep squads, they've just suddenly complete. You know, we used to have an eight, which was very hard for a country like Ireland to put together, but a pair, you couldn't really develop a system around a pair. You could develop a t- uh, pair around yeah, a pair, yeah. but you couldn't develop a system around a pair. Whereas now suddenly, yeah. you've got four girls, six girls, And I would say within the next Olympic cycle, there'll be more eights on the water because of the women's four. So there's no doubt that the women's four had to be put back into the program. Um, And I think the systems are stronger because of it. Um, Yeah. For sure, it's the bigger nations that can build those systems, but that's part of rowing. And I think it's fantastic that the women's, I think it's that single edition of the women's four is going to be great for women's rowing. And more importantly, I think it's going to be a great event to watch. The fact that, um, it's the one I really want to see and see how it pans out. Um, it's really exciting for rowing as far as I can, from my perspective, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see the, the crews that have raced, you know, individually that doing the prognostics against, against other boats in the team, you know. So they've been doing staggered starts. Maybe they haven't had regattas um, like the ones that have been going on in Europe. And I think that combined with coming into an environment where we talked about before, where it is so hot and humid that it, and, and, and the water, you know, can be a little bit rough and, you know, with the sea breeze, there's, there's quite a wind today actually. Um, and, and so I think there's any number of factors that could, you know, inhibit just what happens in the first race. So, I, I kind of think that you know crews that that don't do so well in the first race, they may you know they may come better through the regatta if they acclimatize more. Yeah. I think that's certainly a possibility. Um,
0: and it's just a, a lot of them. It'll be their first race back in. A, it'll be the first international race back in two years. So you know the heat, the heat might knock out a lot of cobwebs of those guys. Um, so for sure, there's going to be a factor. I think. Do you think the older athletes are substantially better stead than those young Olympians who could have done with the Lucerne, could have done with... Um, I know in our, my Olympic preparation into London when we were still young, that Lucerne result changed the game for us and that gave us six weeks to go and focus and confident in what we were doing or we would have arrived in London unknown, you know, having qualified last the year before. Um, do you think the older athletes are in a better stead?
1: Yeah, undoubtedly. I think, you know... Knowing, knowing what it's like to go through a, a whole Olympic cycle and go to the Olympics, uh, or having been to the Olympics, I think that's uh, a significant competitive advantage in terms of, you know. No um,
0: Older guys yeah. might just perform better without crowds, knowing what well, the Olympics I, means without the crowd being there.
1: I think for rowers, it's not going to be such a big deal because, you know, outside of Henley or an Olympic competition, you're not used to rowing in front of big crowds. You're used to the silence. You're used to the noise of the other crews. Um, I think without the crowds, you know, the the coxes, the crews will be able to hear their coxes in the last, (laughs) you know, 500 metres. Well I know in you know, in a lot of Olympic finals, you know, like in London, you know, you couldn't I don't know if you if
0: London you couldn't hear a single thing as from and it was early as well. It's like a full two fifty out, you could heard absolutely nothing. In fact yeah. we missed the we missed the spin call. It wasn't cohesive. Um, between the four of us because Matt called it and I was sitting in the back saying when's Matt going to call this thing because then it <laughs> was just a wall of noise and eventually Siswe looks left and looks right and I go okay well that's it we're going I'm not going to wait any longer so <laughs> the, the noise was definitely a factor in London um, and everybody who was in those grandstands remarks about how loud London was Rio was definitely not as loud because we were a bit distant from the water and
1: it was only on one side um, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: has this got grandstands on both sides?
1: Um, I don't know. I've not been to the venue yet. Um, I, I think it's on one side, but I don't know on that. Don't hold me to well, that.
0: It doesn't really matter, does it? Cause there's going to be no one in them. So yeah, other than maybe a windbreak. Um, I don't think it's going to be a factor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: Talking about the older athletes who've been around forever, um, Olaf Tufte onto his seventh Olympics, is that even possible? Yeah. You know?
1: No, I, I don't think. I, I keep looking at it and thinking there must be some mistake. You know, He can't have done seven. Did you race at the games with Olaf? No, I, I did the games before him. I, my last games was 92, which seems, you know, it's so long ago now. But his, his first was Atlanta, wasn't it? Well, we go, seven back. Um, yeah, I think it was in the four. He was in the four in Atlanta. I'm going to check that. I seem you. to recall, um, but um, and and the, the the thing about Olaf is is just those you, you know the, the guys are completely. I mean, he's rowing in a crew. I was looking at the you know doing some research, and um, the guys you know, put who their hero is in sport or life or something. Yeah. And two of the guys that he's rowing with in the bow have actually put my hero's Olaf Tufta. <laughs>
0: that's amazing. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, he, you know, was, you know.
0: he was the first time I looked at an athlete and I was just like, oh my word, that's unbelievable. And that was, I think, from the Sydney games. Um, that was when I started really focusing on rowing and yeah, for sure. He was on my. I, I definitely had a picture of Olaf Tuft on my wall, and he's outspanned my whole career and gone out the other side and snuck in the other <laughs> yeah. side. Absolutely crazy. You were, you are correct. Nineteen ninety six was his first one. Atlanta, um, men's oh, coxless wow. four, where they finished eighth overall.
1: Yeah. So I. Uh, what was interesting? I mean, they. He started the season off, I think, in the stroke seat of that quad. Yes, and, and had some they, shuffling. They've moved him back to two, and the boat's been going better. I thought they had a decent result in the last World Cup in Zaboutia. Um You know, definitely you think with that kind of result, potential final place is, is there. Um, I, I, you know, I, I can't see Olaf getting a medal like he did in, in Rio, a bronze medal. Uh, I, you know, I think that the standard of the event is just so awesome that I think you know that's going to be a, a real difficult ask for those Norwegians, but they are going quicker.
0: But he was in Norwegians' top boat in Dria, if I'm not mistaken. I don't. I think is that yeah. right. He was so. Yeah. Um, so he was in the top boat. There was this is definitely a supporting boat to the single now, at least. Um, yeah. So it's definitely. Uh, I think that's telling in the in the in the in the medal prospect. Um, I suspect the lightweight double for Norway would so probably have a much better medal chance than the quad. Um, so he's definitely yeah, not in yeah. a, like prime boat um, going into going into the games, but it's yeah. just absolutely unbelievable. I cannot, I can't even fathom. Like I, I can't even like, comprehend. I, I have no recollection of Atlanta. I cannot remember. Obviously, I watched. So <laughs> I don't have a live memory. I can't like think. Okay, I remember Atlanta happening. Um, although I can remember the year before. Um, the 95 rugby world cup, but that was big in South Africa, but the Olympics wasn't even on my radar. And this guy's been competing since then. It's absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, uh, other multi multi Olympia. I know the quads. Um, Estonia, on yeah. Um, he's onto his fifth Olympics. Um, we think back about obviously uh, the red grave, how long five Olympics used to feel. Um, in the Redgrave era, um, I remember. Didn't it. he
1: get? Um, didn't he get a um, a silver medal in the double or something in in his first Olympics, or was that in Beijing? I've got a note you know, I've
0: got a note here that he's on three on three medals. Yeah. Um, so he's just a, has has had a good that, that run.
1: quad and that quad because you know this season have been absolutely you know powering on form. You know they they really tight together as a unit. They're quite tall men, so they don't—they don't, you know—they sit up quite a lot, and you know the boat looks really beautiful when they scale that well. And, and, so, and the quad
0: really likes that that upright position. It's like yeah. I always feel like the, squad, the, the quad uses a lot less sort of hip than a lot of the other boats. I think it's just moving so fast.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So um,
0: that'll be amazing. Fifth Olympics, if he can get a medal in his fifth Olympics as well, I think will just be mind blowing. <laughs>
1: I know, I know, uh, and the, I mean the quad is going to be, you know, one of those events. I think, you know, we talked about two got actually. No, before we, um, I was looking earlier. Um, I don't know whether it's the, the same for, um, you know, how long women have been uh, rowing. We we haven't got someone like Ekaterina um at this games.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah.
1: Um, but you know, one of the ones that's that's been around a long time is Megan Calmo. She's done three games,
0: and that's for the US, am I right?
1: Yeah, that's for the US. So this will be her fourth games, I think. That, um,
0: yeah, and she's uh, she's obviously a past. I think she's also been on the road show, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, it, yeah, I think
1: so. Um,
0: and she's in the eight, is that right?
1: No, she's she's in the pair with Tracy Isa.
0: Okay. The U.S. women is uh, – is, I think they've got a full house, if I'm not mistaken. So straight across, uh, they're the, one of the few categories of – obviously, it's not the whole U.S. team, but the women's have got every boat qualified in the women's section, which is quite a feat, I think, in modern – I think back in the day, that was more common for the big, fe- big federations. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: But if we look at, like, GB haven't done that this time, New Zealand haven't done that, Germany haven't done that, um, even yeah. in one of the, the genders. Um, so I think that's an amazing, and just the history, and it must be athletes like that. Um, the US is a system. I think that some of its parts are greater than the individuals, and it's got some real powerhouses in there, like like Megan, as you say. Um, yeah, yeah. You just keep adding, keep adding value, and yeah. keep developing young people around them. I think it's an amazing system. That I would love to know more about the US women's system.
1: Yeah, I know, and Tom Tahar keeps it very closely, sort of, you know. I, I did an interview with um um uh, Olivia Coffee. Yeah. Um, you know, and she she was from the women's eight, she's um I think she might be stroking the women's eight. And and even in that interview, you, you know, you didn't get too much about the system and how it works and, and all that kind of stuff. Um it, it seems pretty much like a closed book. Um yeah,
0: I, I know it's a very competitive environment. That's all you get out of it, is that they go at each other often. But you don't get much more than that.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, I'm I'm so interested to see what that eight looks like because, you know, maybe they're only going to get two hits here, the American Women's Eight, if they win the Heat. Yeah. Um, potentially, you know, and it's a new look eight, you know, with that um, Brooke Mooney. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Is it 6.21? And have we seen them? Have uh, Yes, yeah, uh, I, I did read up about that. Yeah, that was crazy fast. Um, and she's she's hardly done any rowing, um, certainly on an international level. Is that right?
1: That's that's right. And he's put her in the eight. Oh, big bold moves, eh? Uh, but, yeah. But, you know,
0: we haven't seen them since 2019? Is that… Uh, that's uh, right. Yeah, so we haven't seen them…
1: And that, and quite a few of the squad had COVID early on, like Olivia Coffey had COVID, you know, in the early days, because I, I think one of the physios had it in the American team. Yes,
0: yes, and then they, I think uh, it spread like that. I think that was one of the first high-profile team... Um, team teams. In fact, I can't actually think of another team that's been hit similar, um, where, where one person brings it in and um, multiple of the members go down.
1: Yeah, 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 what, yeah.
0: What's always interesting for me in the US is how come the women have this amazing cohesive like centralized system that is one system and that's the way you do it and obviously they're the outliers they use the doubles and stuff if you want to be like wide of the like the smaller boats but they have this amazing centralized system that's been going now since i started that woman's unit has been centralized system that just pumps along develops amazing athletes and develops results and then the men's always seems fragmented and changing and And I understand it's part of, like, the culture and stuff, but it's so weird for me that they've got one that's so centralised and so, like, consistent through the years. And then the men's system is, like, bouncing different strategies, different... um, It's just an interesting point for me that they don't seem to um, align at all.
1: I know. And I I think... um you know the men's system is centered around a coach, isn't it? So at the moment it's out in on the west coast because Mike tate is based on the west coast. So everything's centered that Mike is the coach of the of the A. You know Tim McLaren's with him helping the four, but the, you know that they've been working with that squad of athletes. And um, if Mike was not to be the coach of the American Olympic team, uh, you know I don't know if if the coach. If the system would would have to switch back to the East Coast, where where most of them are based,
0: yeah, and that's a lot of a lot of people have to move, you know. So you yeah. need that consistency, I think, in a centralized system. So people slowly build their lives around where the central system is, um, the top athletes, that is. Um, I, there must I just be a funding element of it, I guess. I know U.S. sports women's often get a very interesting um, because of, and we see this because a lot of South African a- um, athletes go there. Um, because they need within a women's sport to equal a men's sport, if they want to pump money into one sport, like a men's sport, football, for example, and there isn't a women's football equivalent, they need to pump the equivalent dollars into women's, and this is at the university level. But I I do think rowing in the U.S., women develop that like team dynamic out of the university systems and it continues, probably more so than the men's because the dollars have to be split equally, um, which is an interesting consequence of an equal funding program.
1: It is, yeah. Do you know I heard something interesting about the Mike Tatie and his coaching methods that um, a lot of the time he won't let the eight paddle all eights. They're paddling sixes. What? Yeah. Because basically what you need to improve your technique is a level boat. You need to be comfortable. Okay. So, you know, and and and, and this is he has them paddling in, once he chooses his eight, he has them paddling in, an, in sixes for a long time.
0: You know, I would like to think that they could keep a boat set, but I know that our London four couldn't could couldn't sit a boat flat in a, yeah. for, for the life of it. But, you know, that was Strokeside's fault. But, you know, yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would think that an eight, they should be able to be, I, I would understand it if he wanted it a little bit like heavier, more connection and stuff but like for balance, I would hope that the American men's eight can keep a boat flat enough to, to develop.
1: Yeah, well, I, I found that, you know, I thought it was fascinating really because I, I, I talked to him in, in Sarasota in 2017. I went out and, um, you know, cycled alongside Mike and watched the eight and he said, you know, we've done a lot of work in sixes and I didn't really, you know, I just thought, oh. But um, subsequently talking to Chris Kozanovsky. Um, who is very close with Mike Tatey um, used to coach him and and Chris says you know he he does this work in sixes won't let them paddle for a long time in the whole eight
0: that's amazing it's just very different yeah. to anything I've heard before for sure um,
1: yeah quickly
0: before we move on from the men's eight let's just have a prediction who do you see as your podium in the men's
1: eight oh well um, I I'm I'm going for for Germany, um Germany, Great Britain, and then I think New Zealand.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a safe bet. It'll be interesting to see if the US can do anything there. They're always a wild card, I would guess, in the eight. Um, but my heart would love to see that New Zealand eight do something. Um I think it'll be amazing. Um they obviously haven't had the same number of boats qualified, but I I, I like that they've committed everybody in the late qualification. Mm.
1: Did you hear this, this may be, uh, I may have got this story or, you know, it, it may have got changed in the telling. Um, but I heard a story that Hamish Bonds basically said to the pair, you know, you need to come in the eight. And if you don't come in the eight, I'll do a pair with someone and beat you.
0: Oh, that's an amazing so, story.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of, you know, I wish it might be true, but I, I I'm, I'm, I sense, you know, that that probably it's in the telling of it, it's got changed. But, um, well, you know, it was in interesting that 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 pair, New Zealand pair, have gone in the eight.
0: Well, I was blown away that he never went after the pair. You know, um, yeah, yeah. It just for me, it shows like I, I think he must love the process of the like the process more than the result to some degree. Um, the fact that he wants the eight to work so much that maybe that story is true. I I, I haven't heard it, but I can believe it. I I, I, I I think the New Zealand selection system always makes me scratch my head, so it doesn't surprise me too much. Um, but I, for me, it just it just shows that like he might value the development of the system and development of the team. Um, yeah. The enjoyment he gets out of that might be higher. Um, yeah. So... While we're talking about systems, I had a note here to discuss Helen Glover. Um, and no, yeah, was,
1: that was very perceptive. I read your note and <laughs> and yeah, yeah, go on.
0: So Helen Glover is back after four years off um, and she's had twins, which as a young father myself, uh, that's uh, remarkable that she's managing to get back, onto, back into it. Um, I see not just as... I think even as a mom, it's even harder as a dad um of course, things are very different to how they used to be um and I'm sure the I think the u k has a similar societies to South Africa, but even as a mom, I do think it's it's mind blowing for a mom to get back after that level. The only one I've heard that's as remarkable um and we're going to forget her name now um there's a, a female mountain biker who had a child in January, and she's back on the start line. I don't think she's got. No. This, yeah, I don't think she's the same medal prospect as possibly Helen Glover is. Um, but yeah, women's cross-country mountain biker back this year, um, and she's been in the World Cups and stuff already, so that's remarkable. Um, but for me, um, I'm going to read a quote here quickly from Helen Glover. My life at the moment is all about being the best mum I can be, fitting your training around it, and I really enjoy it that way. So for me, having Seen the, the British system for the last various number of years and stuff that's come out of it. I cannot imagine that sentence having been said from a, a British athlete 10 years ago, five years ago. That yeah, it, children are the first years, thing and yeah. rowing is the second.
1: Yeah. Um, it, it's, I think there's, there's been a big change in the British system. Um, and I think that's uh, so they've, they've got, the, you know, since the new performance director was appointed. Brendan Purcell, Um, I think they've been looking to have a more athlete-centred system, and that's come down from the top as well from UK sport because there have been so many high-profile cases um, in cycling and in gymnastics. Um, I think Rowan's uh, recently had a case where athlete complaints against, against the coach. That they're basically wanting, they're saying that uh, the medal result is, is is a focus on just the medal result is, uh, rather than the experience is is not giving the athletes uh, the right relationship to their sport. I think in Cavisham, the the language that the athletes used to talk was a you know it's a sacrifice what we're doing because it, it was kind of such a grind and so monotonous that they were all, you know, many of them would use the word what, what we're sacrificing. And, you know, I remember, you know, I was, when I rowed, I was working full-time and rowing around, training around work, but it never felt like a sacrifice. It was always something I really enjoyed. So I I think now um, that the, the British squad has changed, and, and it's quite interesting, and they, they may be unconnected, but Anna Watkins tried to come back in the double squad and she had uh, a, a child. She got the gold medal in um, uh, in 2012 with Catherine Granger and she tried to come back for Rio and it just proved impossible for her as a mum to do that. And yeah, Helen Glover, I know Helen Glover talked to Anna Watkins and said, you know, what tips could you give me? And, and Anna Watkins basically said, you need to do more work at pace because, you know, she kind of felt that she didn't do enough work at pace. She was quite good on endurance. Um, so I think Helen Glover took that advice on board, but it it, it is much more athlete-friendly now, the British system.
0: What I think is really interesting is the point where you're saying it's sort of to focus on the medal or whatever, but for me, this is, makes it much more as an inspiration to society. You know, at the end of the day, a lot of it's yeah. public money, um, but I think the realistic realistically it's way more relatable like my wife who is a mom reads that and she finds it inspiring makes her think well she my wife was a previous athlete under 23s um for South Africa and it makes her think well you know could I get back to that marathon a little bit sooner than I was planning could I (laughs) um could I get back to doing something I don't know she's engaged in it at a much deeper level than she is with any other British rower at the moment because that is now very relatable to her and it's the same for a whole lot of British, it must be the same for a whole lot of British moms. And maybe it's, that is more important than her result is to inspire thousands of moms within the UK to set a goal, challenge themselves and be not only the best mom they can be, but something for their children to inspire to. So yeah. for me, I think it's it's just amazing to see the British I know that I, I, I follow cycling closely, so I know some of the stories you mentioned there in the, um, in the cycling, I haven't come out of the cycling in the last four or five years. And I just think it's it's fantastic, results aside. I think it's fantastic that that space for that personal story to develop. Um, and I think New Zealand are probably the best at that to some degree, is making space for the older athletes who need a different program but still having yeah. a dedicated program. Because um, I, I think a 30-year-old athlete needs something very different to a 23-year-old athlete. Um, and I've always said New Zealand are the best at that, and I think – Australia w- certainly weren't. Um, I think that I've always drew back to the Drew Jin and Duncan Free pair who were rowing 16Ks a day um, and calling yeah. it a day for the last four years of their career. But the reality is they were just managing a massive engine and it's decline and just keeping the engine ticking over and not trying to write the body off because it only had so many miles left in it. But I feel like a whole lot of the young Australian athletes at that time lost track that they actually needed to be doing um, 200k weeks and things like that. Um, at their yeah, age, yeah. whereas New Zealand have always been good at that, and I'm just really, in, uh, I think this is one of the coolest stories to come out of GB rowing in a while. Is my personal opinion. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think you're right. Um, and and I think you know, I think that atmosphere. Brendan Purcell, the performance director, would say, you know, hopefully that atmosphere runs runs through the squad, and um, you know, the results of the British team this season would suggest that, you know, something's, something good is going on. Um, but, you know, you know, that women's pairs is going to be insane. I think that, um, yeah. the event that Helen Glover and Polly Swan are in, um, you know, the Kiwi pair, I, I, you know, I've sort of heard the Kiwi pair, women's pair are going very fast.
0: Are they um, doubling up?
1: No, they're not. It's just. Fully focused on the pair. Fully focused on the pair, um, and then there's the Australian pair of Morrison and McIntyre that we've spoken about already, doubling up in the four. But they had a fantastic race last year. Uh, sorry, at 2019 at the World Championships. Um, yes. And then you know, Kaylee Filmer and Hillary Janssen's, uh, You know, Kaylee. You know what that that woman Kaylee Filmer has been through. You know, I didn't realize that she, she suffered, you know, really badly from depression in the 2019 season. So she was out of the boat, I think, from April through to just six weeks before the World Championships. And, you know, they managed to get a bronze medal, but they were the world champions in 2018 in the pair. Um, and then also she had a, a very serious crash on the bike training uh, in the last winter. Okay. Um you know, broke a collarbone and, you know, and it, it was, you know, she was out of the boat for, for months. I think that makes it but, more yeah. dangerous
0: than that makes it super dangerous yeah. that like when I, I broke a collarbone training on a bike and that was the season I had the most motivation I've ever had in my life. Uh, um, yeah, I think it really makes you um, obviously coming back from a depression and then really getting focused into, um, Getting focused into that—that that this is what I want to do. I need want to come back. I've got time away yeah. from the boat to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And and then you've got Megan Calmo and Tracy Isa. You know, so the the the, the pairs, and, and and then Glover and Polly Swan are trying to get in that mix because they they haven't raced since the Europeans, which they won. Um, but it's going to be some race the women's pair.
0: Which. Uh yeah, I think that that takes us into sort of race predictions and stuff, uh, races we're looking forward to. Um, would, you, would you be more excited to watch the women's pair or the women's four right now? Which do you think is a bigger lottery or a bigger sort of unknown and um, exciting race to look forward to?
1: I think, I think the women's pair just because of the athletes in it um, because I think um, Prendergast and Gowler are something special. And I think that the story of them with Helen Glover coming back and Helen Glover being the double Olympic champion, yeah, um, I think I think that's got a really good story to it. I think you know the, we we've spoken about Kaylee Filmer's story, you know, dealing with depression and then and then battling back through you know a serious bike injury, um, and Morrison and McIntyre doubling up in in the in the eight, in the women's four. Megan Calmo, you know, what a character. It's her last Olympics as well. I think she said that. So I think there's, there's some great stories with the women's pair yeah. and I'm really looking forward to seeing that.
0: What I like most about that is I think we don't develop the personalities and the stories behind the rower in, in rowing enough. It's often just names yeah. turning through through this, uh, an entry sheet and I really like the, the, the number of stories that are truly in that woman's pair. Um, they're more yeah. personalities um, and it's more identifiable. So I think um for me that's i like how the women's four is developing the women's sport so much but i like how the personalities is what's really going to grow the sport um yeah so that's yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that the both are, are okay so i think just a couple of questions from who, who do you see as the biggest predicted biggest upset um who do you predict if you were to like say my long shot of the regatta so to call it
1: um, that's a really good question, actually. Um, and, um, because normally you spend your time thinking who's, who's going to win, but the long shot, um, the long shot is a very difficult one. I, you know, I think could the Romanian eight, could the Romanian eight get to the front of the field, the Romanian men's eight?
0: Wow, that's th- that would be super cool. And it's probably um, not that far fetched an idea, but yeah, oh, the AIDS are so stacked and such a high standard.
1: You know, if it's a ta- I think not in a headwind, because I don't think they're strong enough. They haven't, the herb scores aren't strong enough really, but if, if it's a tailwind, um, then I think it's going to really suit them and their high racing style. Yeah. Uh, so that might be a that, that might be a big long shot.
0: Yeah. So uh, for me, it's in the lightweight ring. Uh, I, I wonder if the, the the I know the British women's double came is coming onto the scene now, but it's sort of two years ago wouldn't have been there. And then uh, for me, the the Irish are obviously the favorite in the lightweight men's double. Um, and I would I would really like to see that. That race, some f- um, feathers ruffled in there, and I think the old bullies of the Norwegians are are, are, are my pick for the long. I know it's not a massive long oh. shot, but I think the Norwegians they've they've been around the block a few times. Um, of course, so have the Irish, but uh, I'd I'd really like to see that Norwegians. They've got all uh, of Tufton knowledge back in there. They've got their own Olympic knowledge yeah. in there, um, and they've always been been there or thereabouts in the big day. But yeah. I would love to see them finally uh, sort of. They got across. bronze,
1: didn't they, in um, in Rio, and they won the gold in twenty thirteen.
0: Silver in Rio. Irish were bronze. Oh, silver i silver in Rio.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, Irish were silver.
0: Oh, okay. Irish. So France, yeah, so I think France that, Ireland, Norway, and uh, they've been around since I was around, and I've always, but they've always, they have won a world championship along the way, but it, I think they won the one where the French were missing. Um, if I'm not mistaken. yeah. yeah, So, yeah. I think they've just been knocking on that door um, for so long and they they are fast. They're not, you know, and I would love to just see, of course, we spoke about the heat, we spoke about everything. F- for me, I would love to see that uh, those feathers ruffled and coming into a big sprint finish um, to see the two what are becoming silver foxes, eh? They've been at the games, they've been, they they've are been becoming the on a long time.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: were they in were they in London? I think they were.
1: Um, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. I um I, I, I think they probably were. They must have been because they were in twenty thirteen. They won they won in twenty thirteen, didn't, didn't they? they, win so the they must
0: final, have been. I think they won the they, I speak under correction, but yeah. I think they won the B final in London. Um and yeah. came through. Yeah. So unless that's the French I'm thinking about. But anyway, I, that's
1: my prediction. Um, so, um so, what about um, Prak Hansen in the women's single skull? coming from nowhere? She's
0: it would be a great story, but do you think it'll happen?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I think you know if it's if it's 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 almost unbelievable. Um, you know, she burst on the scene in the in the European qualifying regatta, and then. Then she beat everyone in Lucerne. Are you thinking, how long can this last?
0: What do you think the rough... I'm just jumping off there a little bit. What do you think the rough water will do to some of the crews like that? So, like, Oli Ziegler um, it made me think about it. Is like, bursting onto the scene. But does the rough water um, affect these, like... It, 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 who's the rough water specialist in there and do, do you think she could handle the rough water or like is does our surprise not come from someone like a rough water i would love to race tokyo i love the rough water um yeah tail rough for me is the ultimate um but do you see someone who can like come through because of the rough water and do we think the water will, will be rough enough
1: uh, I think it could be. I think the, the weather forecast, isn't the weather forecast for the week of the rowing? Isn't it sort of rainy and, um, or, you know, I I haven't looked, but, you know, I think. I, I know in
0: predictions, like the long-term predictions was this was going to be a tough course to row. I don't know if it's so much rough, as swelly and stuff like that, like kind of that career swell. I, I, um,
1: so it's kind of, you know, I'm looking at the weather and it's, it's sort of rain and thunderstorms. Um, that whole week of, um, of racing.
0: Um,
1: uh, so when's the first finals on Wednesday, on Wednesday, um, heavy rain showers and a moderate breeze. So that's like, uh, you know, a moderate breeze. Yeah. That's wind.
0: Probably. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I, I would love to see it just as a cat amongst the pigeons. I guess it's not, um, and for me, that's where the surprises happen.
1: That's where the guys jump yeah. off. Jump off. I'm thinking. You know, I I think Prospera uh, is very good in rough water. Um, I think with her experience, she can handle it. I'm imagining Emma Twig. Um, you know, because she trains on carapira. Yeah, she must have it. Can, yeah, so she must have skills in that in that sort of area.
0: My experience is it's um, always an athlete either has it or doesn't have it.
1: It's, and then. Magdalena Lobnig, the Austrian, she she won a gold medal in that amazing European sort of um, championships final in 2016, which was basically, it was a huge crosswind and the water was, so you had scullers like, um, you know, Karsten um, and Nat Kova and they just couldn't scull, literally. It was just the boats were just going bobbing up and down and, and she just went, bosh, straight through it. So yeah. she's got rough water skills.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm interested to see if that's enough. Uh, I, I remember there being lots of stuff um, in the, in the, in the past, um, in the buildup of guys saying it was going to be rough and we guys visited the course and, or talking about the course. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to see if that has a factor. Um, I'm, I'm wanting to wrap up quite soon, uh, if you do mind. Um, but, um,
1: just before, you know, just the news today was that the Russian men's yeah, quad.
0: I was about, that was what I was about to jump onto, the one point we've missed here, yeah. is, the, is the Russian doping. Um, just to enter into that, the uh, Ro listeners will know, Lawrence had a had a comment a few episodes ago that made me cringe a bit. Um, I was like, "Yo, he called that just how it is, you know. He was criticising that, like, what's really changed in the Russian programme and... Um, how can we have any trust in any Russian result? And it was really, really, really disappointing and sad to see the quad um, qualified, um, the Russian quad qualified. And then um, I think it said meladonum is the drug that came up in two athletes. So it's two athletes. Um, that's never great. It's, yeah. It doesn't talk of um private doping, you know, sort of one athlete going off and doing their thing. And it turns out it's the same drug that Maria Sharapova, so a Russian athlete, got tested for. And it's um at at the time of us of, of me looking into it, is the quad was still going to race with two um two reserves. But Martin, you were you were mentioning now that apparently they're withdrawing.
1: Yeah, the Russian Federation have done some testing. So Matt Smith announced in an email that um Basically the, the quads uh the, the two lads that came in were Alex Mateev and uh Nikita Eskin and uh, they replaced the, the two that tested positive, Pavel Sorin and Nikita Morgachev. Um and and w- with the replacements they just weren't fast enough. Um and so the Russian Federation has withdrawn the quad um and World rowing have then gone down and said, who's the next one in at this incredibly late stage? It's almost insane that they should ask. But they've gone to the Lithuanian Federation and said, do you want to enter a quad for the Olympics? And the the email ended with the lines, we await the Lithuanian Federation's response.
0: So... There's so much in there. Like, First of all, could the Russians not have done some testing of the athletes' um, blood, you know, a little bit, uh, spent more time testing that and less time testing their speed? But the other thing for me is, yes, originally they followed the letter of the regulations. Two of the athletes got tested positive from the test forwards, all the results get annulled, but backwards it doesn't count. But imagine being those Lithuanians. Imagine if they had the chance of of meddling and now they're scrambling Covid, uh, you spoke about how hard it was to even understand getting there um yeah they've got to try and accelerate all those guys make sure they're covid free make sure they get the, a boat like what boat are they going to, are they just going to use the russian boat that's sitting in tokyo like how yeah. does this all work you know um so for me there's so much and it's really unfair on those athletes that could have qualified late and got across um so for me yes they followed the regulations and I'm sure there was a bit of pressure put on the Russian Federation about that because as far as I was concerned, it's was absolute bulldust that they were allowed mm. to continue. I appreciate they followed the regulation, but I think it's a case of saying, well, maybe the regulation needs to change. Um, yeah. That if they're too positive, 50% of a crew test positive and the rest of the crew carries on, like for me, that doesn't feel so great. Um agreed in a pair, it's a little bit different to a four, but um imagine four four guys out of an eight tested positive and the eight continued to race. Yeah. Know? So I'm really happy to hear that they've withdrawn the crowd. Um I think they should just withdraw it because fifty percent of the crew got tested positive and that's enough to say you shouldn't be going to the games. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's very political and the, or like diplomatic that they've let them withdraw it and say that they've withdrawn it. But I would love to of course, the crew's not going to be fast enough. It's only had a week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Lawrence and them actually saw that um, one of the, um, they saw the Russians training in, with two of the guys in the quad because the guys weren't immediately available after the two guys that came to a place, the two that had tested positive. Yeah. One was at under-23s and one was still in Russia or something, and they had to try yeah. and get them there. And they were rolling around the dam with uh, two girls, and a spare girl and a girl single in the quad. Um, so it sounds like a bit of a mess, but I'm really uh, yeah. glad that the Russians won't be there on the start line in that event, but I just wish that we could get down to the bottom of it and stop having, yeah. um, get back to a point where we could trust any result coming out of Russia, because I feel right now we can't trust a single result out of Russia.
1: I know, you know, um, because they went on a training camp, the Russian team went on a training camp um, to Greece with uh, Gianni Postiglioni, and he insisted that they had Greek doctors, not Russian doctors, you know, and they had dope, dope testing at the camp. And oh, wow. Matt, Smith, Matt Smith told me this, you know, and he basically said, you know, that's one of the reasons the Russians have got quicker this year. Um, but, I, you know, I, um, I, I've got a personal attachment to one of the guys that, you know, um, in the quad, Nikolai Piminov, who's the son of a guy that I used to race, Yuri Pimenov, who sadly passed away um and um yeah last year you know um it was all the yeah and so um I, I feel you know i i feel for those guys in the middle of the quad basically um
0: yeah they have to be they have to be clean athletes in russia they can't yeah everyone can't i don't know maybe that's a naive thing to say i just think it's hard to trust any result at the moment coming out of there and i appreciate yeah. what you saying like once you know someone personally, it always changes the game. Um, yeah, I know that from from guys in the cycling game. They they battle to hold on to their happiness yeah. to be very anti anti doping until it's someone they know, and then it gets really hard. Particularly a year or so later, and it's it, it's hard to keep that anger level high, yeah, um, or the frustration level high. But um, yeah, I think it's it's been eight years now, and we're still in the same mess. I oh know. Oh no. um, so it's it's hard to um, it's it's hard to it, it, and I think what's interesting is the Russians often aren't fast. And I am interested by what you're saying about Gianni because he consulted to South Africa ahead of our um, oh. our London win. Yeah, he was he was involved in our London win to some degree. Oh wow. Um, on and off consulting and a couple of weeks a year. So not hugely involved, but he was certainly talking with, with Roger a lot ahead of that period, um, ruffled some feathers, changed. I think he's a great disruptor within a team. So I've I've experienced him flying in, um, telling everyone everything they're doing is needs to be done differently. And then he comes and you do then doing it the different way. And he'll come the next time and tell you, you're doing it wrong again. Um, but And that's when we started going to the Pedaluco regatta was to spend another week. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I know Gianni yeah. and and I believe like the crews that guy works with are fast. Um, yeah. And I, it's quite similar to the Spacklin thing uh, that really coaches with this amazing history and pedigree and f- particularly clean pedigree are somehow roped into getting involved in the Russian squad. And then their careers get tainted um, yeah. by just the continual... Slow, steady trickle of Russian positive tests. Um, there,
1: there are a lot. I mean, we talked of Prak um, but you know there are other Russian crews that did. You know, one in qualifiers. Um, you know, the Russian men's single um, is another example. You know, there are, and the Russian men's quad were right up there in the qualifiers. Yeah. Um, and. Well, they won. You know, so-
0: they won more than anyone else. They. They were the big winners from the last yeah. late qualifiers.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I I think the the story's got more to run with Russia, probably.
0: Yeah. But if anything, hearing that Gianni is involved there makes me almost believe there are some of those results, if not all of them, maybe a little bit more than I was.
1: Um, yeah, 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 before. yeah.
0: Because that guy can make a crew go fast. We know this for sure. And he can do yeah. it. He's a high-impact coach. So I, I think he's good at coming in and finding the last five, 10% that someone else wouldn't find or something or last 5%. Um, so Absolutely. I, I believe if they've got a massive training volume behind them, he might sharpen it up and, um, bring the intensity to it. I don't know if I'd want to be coached for him for five years. I think that
1: would be. <laughs> <really> intense. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Last prediction for the day. Um, before we wrap up, um, middle, um, overall medal table winners, I think, instead of going there, are lots of who to watch out there, so we have try to keep it away from that today. But who do you see leaving with the a, a medal podium? The medal table, winner. yeah.
1: Um, well, um, I think potentially, if Britain have a fantastic Olympics, I think potentially they could get three golds. I don't think they will. Um, I think it will take three goals to top the podium. Okay. Probably. Um, I think um, I think the Australians, if they win in the women's pair, the women's four and the men's four, the men's four we don't know because they were double world champions, weren't they? And they had that awful – so the Australians could, could get three goals if that men's four can win. I'm not sure they will do you, um, do you see any
0: gold coming out of the u s a men no well okay, so then that's I think their woman might get them too,
1: but yeah, I think yeah, might potentially yeah might in 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 the fours I think the Chinese um. The Chinese are interesting because they're nailed on favourites for the women's quad, and the men's double as well. Um, You know, could win gold. That race with the Irish in Lucerne was sensational. Um, And then the Chinese women's eight, didn't they win the qualifiers, beat the Romanian women in, um, in final Olympic qualification regatta? I'm
0: not sure, but you've just put a thought in my head with the Irish. If you say that we only need, and yeah. uh, we'll come back to what you're saying, if you're saying you only need three golds, the I- island will probably battle for that, but you could in a world yes, see them getting island. two.
1: No. I yeah. So the, the Irish golds could be the men's double. Light double. The lightweight men's double and pospura.
0: And if they get three and then they get a medal maybe in the woman's four or something like that.
1: Yeah, Longshot. yeah.
0: But that would then give them three, because I think you're, I think maybe two countries will get three, and then it'll come down to the minor medals. Um, but I like the idea of saying, well, three golds, and that, and imagine Ireland were topping a medal table in rowing, like. Uh, that wouldn't have happened eight years ago, that's for sure. No, no,
1: no, 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 no. <laughs> yes. And that's a, tri- a tribute to Antonio Mario Giovanni their performance director, and, you know, what he's put in place there. Because Ireland's not the easiest place to go and be a performance director.
0: Maybe that should be our predicted upset. That's, what it's, that's yeah. our predicted upset, yeah. is Ireland topping yeah. the metal table. <laughs> 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 okay, super cool. So I think we're going to call it there. Um, I don't know if we've missed any other topics, um, but... Yeah, I think we're going to be playing um, a prediction game on the Patreon account, so guys, sign up for that. Of course, you'll get Lawrence and Jake's additional content, but we're going to try to have a little um, fantasy league um, or predict the winners. We've advanced it a little bit from the late qualifications, which was a lot of fun, um, or the last World Cup, which was a lot of fun. So we're going to be doing that again. We should have that out in the next week um, before the racing starts, of course. Um, and sign up, listen to those Olympic Diaries, and I hope that we're going to get um, another maybe midweek um, episode out once the racing has begun wow, um, as yeah. we come into the finals. It's an exciting time, and if you're yeah. a big rowing fan, um, of course this is the time to really tune in, and it's going to be hard to watch it from um, our normal time zones where most of us live, um, yeah, yeah. but we'll wake up early. Um, alarm clocks will be set, and looking forward to it your last words, Martin?
1: No, well, I, I'm, I'm in, you know, incredibly excited. I think, listen, you know, listening to you talk and, and just doing this has really, you know, it's really got my excitement up. I can't, can't wait for the racing to actually begin. And, you know, it's, it's I think, the testament to it happening. I mean, you know, because I asked loads of people, do you think that the Olympics will happen? And, you know, quite a few of them said, no, they won't happen.
0: There's some who still think it won't happen.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the fact we're here and, you know, we're just a few days in advance of the game starting and the Rome regatta beginning is just incredible.
0: Yeah. Three, what do we, I think this will come out with three days, three or four days to racing, and then it's time to make dreams yeah. into realities. Um, and yeah. a whole lot of athletes getting their chance at the dream, getting their chance to finally, um, they've been chasing it for so long and finally turn those dreams into realities. So, um, if you are one of the athletes, um, give us a shout out on one of, one of our social medias. Give us a comment. Let us know that you're listening. As any of the athletes are actually at the Games and, of course, anyone, what you're enjoying. Um, let us know what, what you like. and We look forward to checking in again halfway through the Games. Um, yeah. And we'll Hopefully, um, some of our predictions won't, will have come through and they wouldn't all have fallen flat on their faces. <laughs> so have a great week, guys. Enjoy the racing. Ciao.